Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. scripture this morning is from Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds he went up the mountain and after he sat down his disciples came to him. Then they began he began to speak and taught them saying blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who will people, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Jackie, for the reading of our scripture this morning and for our choir and leading us in worship and for Dr. Moses. What a joy it is to have him here with us this morning. I do want to offer, I did not mention this at um, the beginning of the service, but we do have, for those who are interested, a Lenten devotion, and it's called Steadfast Love, and it's been inspired by Henry Nowen. If you are looking for a resource, we would love for you to have one of these. You can grab one on your way out. It'll be in the narthex or certainly in the gathering area, and you can go ahead and grab one of the devotions um, at that time. So we thank Reverend Ryan for making these available to us. Wonderful resources for this season of Lent. A number of years ago, there was a TED Talk, and somebody clarified for me, my husband's name is Ted, so this didn't come from my husband, Ted. <laughs> but there was a TED Talk that has become one of the top TED Talks of all time. And it's titled, What Makes a Good Life? Lessons from the Longest Study on Happiness and it was done by psychiatrist Robert Waldinger. The study has recently been published in a book, and the name of the book is called The Good Life, and it's not surprising then that it's also a bestseller on Amazon. It came out in January of this year. It would seem that people are very, very interested in happiness and what it means to have a good life and how to obtain it. The TED Talk and the book are based on an 84-year Harvard study 
of Adult Development, where researchers followed hundreds of individuals over the course of their lives, sending them questionnaires every two years and then occasionally meeting with them in person. And then the questionnaire involved hundreds and hundreds of questions about various aspects of their life. The things like, what are your hobbies? What's your profession? What's your income? What is your spiritual life like? What was your childhood like? What are your fears? What about your first love? What about your political preference? What causes you to worry? What are your life goals? And other numerous experiences. Also asking about church attendance and how often you attended church if you went to church. And what the research reveals is that those people who identified themselves as happy found meaning and purpose in their lives, and they were considered, and they considered that they had what is known as a good life. And it was not based on what I think that maybe we might expect. It seems that happiness and a good life are not based on annual income, or how comfortable our life is, or what profession we choose. It's not on how many accomplishments that we may have acquired over the course of a lifetime, or not even on how popular we might be, or even, surprisingly, on how healthy we are. There was one distinguishing factor. The secret to the good life is, are you waiting? I know you're waiting. The secret to the good life is relationships. Relationships, good, strong, healthy relationships. Many kinds of relationships, not just one kind of relationship. Marriages, family, friends, colleagues, maybe a relationship within your local community if you do a rotary or a Kiwanis group or a book club or a Bible study. Relationship with those with whom you share a common faith, and for us that would be the church. Those are to name only a few. The key to the long-term well-being, according to this study, is connection in relationships. If the study had to be boiled down into one principle, this is what they said it would be. Good relationships keep us healthier and happier, period. And we know this to be true because when we have healthy relationships, they bring us contentment, they bring us joy. They keep us healthier and happier because they said that relationships keep us healthier and happier because they help us feel valued and they help us feel loved. And we all want to feel valued and we all want to feel loved. I think we all want to be happy too. I think we want to be happy. As far as I know, I don't know of anybody who does not want to enjoy the good life. I am unaware of anyone saying, I don't want the good life. I want to suffer. I want to be miserable. I want to be unhappy. Now, we might know people like that. But I wonder if it's not what they want, but they don't know how to obtain it. I think we all not only want the good life, I think we all long for the good life. Some might even say they've already obtained the good life. But like anything else that we value, like anything that's worth anything to us in our lives, it needs to be nurtured, it needs to be cultivated, and we need to take time with it. And that same is true with 
our relationships. And if it's all about relationships, then we might want to pay close attention, listen closely to the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mountain, because what he is talking about with the Beatitudes is all about relationships. This famous sermon, it's wonderful, it's beautiful. In fact, I believe that it's one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture. And it talks about these relationships, but it talks about the good life, the good life. And as today is the first Sunday of Lent, we begin a new series titled The Way of Jesus. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to take a look at what does it mean to follow the way of Jesus, to be more intentional, perhaps, about nurturing our faith, our relationship with God, tending to the inner work of the heart and of the soul, and maybe, maybe rethinking our priorities and even perhaps taking a closer look at our own personal relationships. And so the way of Jesus begins with the Sermon on the Mount. It's found only in Matthew's Gospel. There's the Sermon on the Plain in Luke's Gospel. But we know from last week, if you were here last Sunday, we had the transfiguration and we had Jesus transfigured on a mountain. And we know that when there's a mountain in scripture, pay attention to it because something's gonna happen. And often what happens is God shows up. Jesus has come to town. And when Jesus comes to town, the crowds flock to him and today is no different. They see Jesus and they follow him. He goes up to a mountain and he sits down and it is more like a hill, but he sits down and his disciples join him and the crowds are there and they are overhearing what is being said. They are overhearing, it's kind of like sitting in the back, maybe the back of a classroom with um, some might argue is the best place to sit because you can sit back there and you can listen, but no one's going to call on you. But I think that Jesus is hoping that those in the crowd are overhearing these words. And what we are hearing is perhaps this fabulous passage of scripture, which I have called one of the most beautiful. And we hear these words, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This word blessed is often translated as happy, blessed and happy. And often when you use this word happy, there's sort of an emotional connotation to it. But both blessed and happy really don't really get at the heart of this word. Don't really get, it's kind of like you have an experience and you have to sum it up and you have to put it in words. But then you know that it's difficult to put it in words. And you know that whatever words you put to it are somehow not going to make exactly what it is that you're trying to say, come to expression, that is the same with these words. Whether it's blessed or whether it's happy, it is difficult to explain and to put the specific meaning on the word. So this, these words, this blessed is a cross between blessed and happy. So you are blessed if you are happy, and you are happy because you are blessed. Pastor James Howell has written a book. It's a wonderful book called The Beatitudes for Today. And he says that blessed means wonderful news. And it's God's wonderful news. God is acting now through Jesus to turn the world upside down. And this is what happens with the Beatitudes. God has come to help those who are under no illusion that they can help themselves. So to be blessed isn't catchy advice on how to go and be happy. 
Rather, blessed is being swept up in God's decisive movement in the world. Which means, which means we cannot achieve these things. They're not little pieces of wisdom that we can keep in our pockets and pull out when it's convenient for us. They are announcements about the kingdom of God. They are announcements about who God is. And this is hard for us. I know that it's hard for, for me because I'm a checklist person. And I want to put those little boxes right in front of the Beatitudes. And I want to say, yep, did that. Uh-huh, got that one today. Yep, that one's done. And be able to say, I did something. When it's not about what I can do at all. Because how does one become poor in spirit? How does one want to be mournful so that one can be comforted? And how does one measure meekness? How do you measure meekness? Now, maybe the others are perhaps a little bit more achievable. Righteousness and mercy and being a peacemaker. Those we might be able to, to cross off our list from time to time. I read somewhere that the Beatitudes are descriptions and commendations of the good life. Meaning, if you want to know what the good life is, look at the Beatitudes. They show us. But what they also do is they challenge us to rethink what the good life is all about. They turn our expectations um, of the good life upside down. They turn it upside down. And what we discover is that we are blessed when we are weak or struggle or grieve or suffer or hunger or thirst for righteousness and peace. We are blessed because in those moments, God is uniquely present, and God is right there with us. Blessed are you. But here's the clincher. Each blessing doesn't just affect us. It affects everyone we encounter, and that's where the relationships come in. A number of years ago, when I was an associate at a church in Milton, Georgia, I had to go to the hospital to visit a family. And I went to visit the family whose 15-year-old daughter had been in a boating accident on Lake Lanier. She was in the lake with her family and friends. They were hanging out, having fun, as people do when they go to the lake. And um, a boat came by and hit her in the head. So she was air-flighted to Grady, the trauma center. And the family had to decide when to pull the plug. And you can imagine, could you imagine? Could you imagine having to have done something like that? Well, this young woman was 15 years old, and she had just received her learner's permit. And she decided, at the young age of 15, that she wanted to be an organ donor. So it had a little organ there on her license. So the parents made the decision before they pulled the plug her organs would be donated. So five of her organs were donated. This young woman saved five lives. Five lives. The thing is, though, which you, I do, I find this most extraordinary, and you don't know this about her, <laughs> that her parents were foster parents. And they had two foster children, two girls. But it was their biological daughter who was the one who got in the accident 
who ultimately died. But for this family, it didn't matter to them that they were foster children or biological children because for them in these relationships, it was one and the same. And so they made this decision, but they also rejoiced because they had two daughters still. What do you say to a family during a time like this? What are the words that you use? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The Beatitudes reflect an attitude. It's not just any kind of attitude, it's a God attitude. And when we are connected to God, our attitude is a beatitude. We are blessed, we are happy, because we are loved and we are valued. What comes to mind when you think of the good life? A life of comfort and ease, maybe? Or one where the bank account is full? Or maybe there's this image on the beach, your very favorite vacation place, perhaps? When I think of the good life, I think of being able to read endlessly all day long and travel. We all have images of what that good life looks like. And these are all enjoyable and there's nothing wrong with them. But when they define us and become the focus of our life at the expense of others and our relationships, then they become a problem and they cannot bring happiness or the good life. Jesus' standards about the good life are much different than societal standards. The Beatitudes are often described as a ladder. As you climb the ladder, you get closer to God. And the early church fathers would say that the closer you get to God, the closer you get to one another. The closer you get to one another, the closer you get to God. The Christian faith is all about relationships. Jesus doesn't explain the meaning behind each Beatitude, and I sure wish he would have. Perhaps because he is introducing us to the kingdom of God and he doesn't want our commentary. He wants us to listen closely. He wants us to respond. He wants us to know that these beatitudes are not something we achieve. They are a gift of God's grace given to each one of us. I want to leave you with Eugene Peterson's version of the Beatitudes. It's from The Message. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God 
He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right, and then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do and heaven all applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. It would seem, it would seem that this is the way of the good life. It's the way of Jesus. And it is wonderful news because it's God's news. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at MarietaFUMC.org or on Facebook at MarietaFUMC.org.